Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Okay, let's all breathe out. All the preoccupied thoughts, all the anxieties, Let's lay it at the feet of Jesus. Every harassment, demonic, fleshly, the things being worked out, we lay it before. And let's inhale the presence of God, the work of God, healing of God, the promise of God. Okay, reading from Jesus Calling. Try to stay conscious of me as you go step by step through this day. My presence with you is both a promise and a protection. My final statement just before I ascended into heaven was, surely I am with you always. That promise was for all of my followers, without exception. The promise of my presence is a powerful protection. As you journey through your life, there are numerous pitfalls along the way. Many voices clamor for your attention, enticing you to go their way. A few steps away from your true path are pits of self-pity and despair, plateaus of pride and self-will. If you take your eyes off me and follow another's way, you are in grave danger. Even well-meaning friends can lead you astray if you let them usurp my place in your life. The way to stay on the path of life is to keep your focus on me. Awareness of my presence is your best protection. Amen? Please be seated. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, One of the funny things that I often hear when I'm talking with my uh, coworkers at work is how they talk about their kids. Most of them, their kids are younger. They're younger than the junior high school age. Some of them are still young enough that when they get scared in the middle of the night, they end up crawling into bed with their parents, kind of like this picture up here. And usually I hear about it in the context of, man, my back is killing me today. My son got scared of something last night and he just crawled into bed and he ended up standing on my back the entire night. There's something kind of familiar about that for many of the parents here, I'm sure, right? You're all at that, they're all starting to get to that age where they're, I see Anman nodding his head like, oh yeah. Was it last night too? Mm-hmm, yep. For those of you guys that uh, have kids that are still too young to do that, a little something for you to look forward to. But anyway, that's, that's kind of a familiar thing for all of us, right? There's something familiar, there's something that's universal about kids running into their parents' bedroom when they're scared at night there's something that's very innately calming about being in the presence of your parent when you're that age, knowing that they're big and strong and they will protect you from anything that goes bump in the night, right? I know none of us are gonna admit that we used to do that when we were a kid, but I I think most of us did that. But then as kids grow up, they start to become more independent. 
They start to think, no, I don't need to run to mommy and daddy every time something goes bump in the night. I'm a big boy, I'm a big girl, I can take care of myself. I can deal with whatever is stressing me out. We can handle it on our own. And not to mention the fact that the things that scare us, they start to change. It's no longer about thunderstorms or about that spooky shadow in the corner or a dream where a dinosaur is chasing us and we're running for our lives. It stops being about that. It starts being about high school. It starts being about dating. It starts being about rejection, maybe even college. And we don't even want to say that we're scared of these things. It's just, I'm a little worried about it. I'm a little concerned about it. You know, it's not like I'm scared or anything like that. But we continue to push and think that I can deal with this on my own. I don't need to run to anybody for help or for protection or anything like that. I can take care of this on my own. And then we get out on our own. And now the worries and the things that trouble us start to change even more. It's not about college and about dating. It's about finances. It becomes work. It becomes the state of the world. And Lord knows the state of the world is pretty scary right now with everything going on in Ukraine, going on in Israel, in the Middle East. There's so many things that can trouble us, that can worry us, that will keep us up in the middle of the night. And on top of it, maybe some of you guys have become the parent that your kids are looking to you to be the one that will protect them from all the things that go bump in the night. And they're just worried about the thunderstorms, but you're worried about so many more things that they're not even aware of yet. And all of these things, they start to weigh down on us. They start to suffocate us. They start to choke us because it just seems omnipresent. It seems like everywhere we look, there's something to be worried about. There's something to be troubled by. There's something to be nervous about. And over time, all of these things build up. And now that we're grown up, what do we do? Who do we turn to? What do we turn to? There are a lot of maladaptive ways that we can deal with these worries and these troubles. We can try to ignore them. We can try to self-medicate. We can try to just tough it out and grind it out, figuring eventually it's got to get better, right? There are a lot of ways that we can try to get through these things. But just like a parent knows that they can protect their child from the many things that scare them, the good news of the gospel is that we too have a heavenly father who looks to protect us and guide us in the midst of all the things that trouble us in this world today. We have the living presence of God alive and available to us if we would just actually take a moment and seek that out and look to him as our strong tower and protector. And the Psalms are very good for proclaiming this. So let's put these just three quick little pieces of scripture up from Psalm 46 verses 1 to 3. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Psalm 18 verses 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. And lastly, uh, Psalm 31, verse 20. In the shelter of, you present, of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from all accusing tongues. Psalms is great at pointing out at how God is our strong protector. His presence is there and available for us. It's available to us every day, but the thing is, we can easily 
lose finding that presence. We can easily lose that ability to hear his voice because we get so preoccupied with all of the troubles of the world, all of the things that scare us and worry us and concern us. We get so enveloped and so consumed by the world that we get to a point where it's almost impossible to hear God's voice, to feel that presence. As Pastor Lydia said during worship, to smell that fragrance of God. And that's what I want to talk about today. Sometimes there comes a point where we need to take steps to seek out that presence of God in our lives. We need to be intentional about it. And we need to almost unplug from a world that swallows up so much of our attention with everything that's going on. And instead of that, we need to go back to that presence of God that restores us and renews us, that gives us hope in times of trouble. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the prophet Elijah, and we're also going to look at Jesus as well, who had to deal with kind of the same thing, believe it or not. And I think there are some things that we can really learn about how we can seek God's presence in a troubling world. So if we go down to uh, our next piece of scripture here. So I know I've mentioned uh, Elijah before in a previous sermon, but just as a recap, Elijah is a prophet of the Lord, and he lived in Israel during a very difficult time. The king of Israel at the time was a man named Ahab. He was a very evil man that did evil in the sight of the Lord. He was married to a woman named Jezebel who brought in foreign gods to Israel and led many of the Israelites astray in worshiping Baal and doing terrible things. And even beyond that, they were hunting down and killing a number of the Lord's prophets. It was, if you were with Baal, you were fine. If you were with the Lord, you're in trouble. So this is kind of the world that Elijah was living in right now. And right before this part of scripture, Elijah had challenged the prophets of Baal. He'd said, let's, let's settle this once and for all. Who is the real God? Is it going to be Baal or is it going to be the Lord? And of course, the Lord comes through. He proves that he is real. He proves that he is the true God. And Elijah has a great victory over them. But it brought him trouble in that now Jezebel wants him dead too. So aside from the difficult calling of being the Lord's prophet to Israel in a very hostile environment, aside from dealing with the physical threats to his life and the crazy political situation in his homeland, he's understandably afraid for himself. He's in total fear of everything that's going on in the world around him. And so what does he do? He runs. That doesn't seem very brave, right? You know, it doesn't seem very brave. He's supposed to be a prophet of the Lord. He's supposed to have trust in God that he's just supposed to keep going on with that good fight. But that's not always exactly how it works. When you look at all the things that were set up against him at this time, all the things that were troubling him, sometimes the smart thing is actually not to fight from the midst of the trouble, but to go somewhere else to get a different perspective. There is a difference between running away and what we like to call a strategic withdrawal. I know it sounds like a semantic difference, but there is a serious difference. And we see that it does make a difference in Elijah's case because as he is strategically withdrawing from the situation, the Lord sends an angel to take care of him, to guide him on his journey, to feed him, to push him on, to spur him on, to keep going. He's not running away on his own but he is going with the Lord so that he has the space away from all of the troubles, away from all of his worries to actually encounter the Lord. He's getting away from all the things that occupy his attention so that in the absence of what's weighing him down 
there is space for him to meet with the Lord. And that's what we see all the way at the bottom there in verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He needed to get away from all of those troubles for just a moment to create that space so that he could engage with God's presence. And this wasn't just an Elijah thing. I mentioned before, we're going to talk about Jesus too, because when we look at the Gospels, we see Jesus does the very same thing very regularly. Let's put just two examples up here from, from the Gospels. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And Mark 1, verse 35, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Yes, these are just little, as I say, bite-sized snippets of Scripture. But they show a pattern, not just that Elijah had in that one moment, but that Jesus had throughout his ministry, where he would withdraw from all the things going around, on around him to make that time to spend time with the Heavenly Father, with his Father, so that he could be reconnected with God's presence, so he could engage in that presence without all the distractions, without all the things that were going around, so that he could focus on that. Yes, he spent plenty of time with his disciples. Yes, he spent plenty of time ministering to people, but he needed that time for himself to spend time with the Heavenly Father. And if the Son of God needs time to spend time with His Heavenly Father, how much more do you think that we need it? I mean, think about it. Let me throw some facts and figures at you guys about our world today. According to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, the average U.S. worker spends 1,791 hours each year working. Now, there's only about 8,700 hours in the year. So about 20% of your year is spent working. And that's the average. There's some people that spend less, and there's some people, I'm sure, plenty of people here who spend a lot more than that at work. We have a 24-hour news cycle on how many channels of TV, how many radio stations, where we're constantly inundated with what's going on in the world. A little bit of the good, but mostly the bad. Just constantly weighed down by what's going on around the world. In 2021, there was a study that said that collectively in the United States, we spent 3.8 trillion hours glued to our phone. That's an average of five hours each day. I was astounded by that number, especially when you think, again, there's only 8,700 hours in a year. I worked it out. It's like we spent a collective 430 million years on our phone in one year. Most of that probably on social media, seeing how everybody's life is, allegedly, better than ours. All of this stuff constantly weighing us down, all of this constantly inundating it, sometimes we need to get away from that all. We need to unplug from all of these things. And I'm not saying to ignore it. I'm not saying to you know, forget about it. It's not a full retreat. It's a strategic withdrawal for a purpose. Sometimes we need to withdraw from all of this stuff so that we can seek out the living, the life-giving presence of God. Back in 2018, 
I myself needed a break. I had just started a new position in a new courthouse. It was a very interesting and toxic environment in many ways. I was thrown into an absolutely crazy shift with a lot of overtime. Um, you guys remember that 1,700 hours uh, you know, annually working? I was on pace for about like 500 hours of overtime in addition to regular working shift. So I had like no sleep going on. Um, I was still mourning the loss of a relationship that I hadn't fully processed. Um, my brains were still shaking around my head like a maraca. It was a year after I got that concussion. Oh, and by the way, I was also getting sued in federal court. So uh, that was all the things that were going on. A lot of stuff going on. So yeah, uh, I needed a break. I needed a retreat. I needed to get the heck out of Dodge. And that's exactly what I did. I ended up renting a, a little house down at the Jersey Shore. Seaside Heights is like my, my safe place. That's my place where I go to when I need to get away from things. And I just needed some time to get away from the worries, to get away from the fears, to get away from the traumas, and spend that time with God actually working through all of it. And it's funny because I actually dug out my old journal from 2018, and those two verses up there, those were exactly how I started my little personal retreat with these things, knowing that, just like Jesus, I needed to withdraw and to find that connection with God once again. And it wasn't until I got there that I really realized how much was going on inside of my head, how much I was being weighed down by everything, and how much I was just not paying attention to it, how much I was just grinding it through, and how much God needed to speak to me and heal me of a lot of things that were going on. Over the course of three days, I think I had like 50 pages of journaling. For those of you guys that journal, maybe that's a lot to you guys, maybe that's not a lot. For me, that was insane. I don't think I've ever journaled that much in my life. But every now and again, you need to do that. Every now and again, you need to unplug, to disconnect from the things that are weighing us down, and you need to just bask in God's presence. You need to actively and intentionally seek it out. So that's what my first point is here. How do we, how do we seek God in a troubling world? We need to withdraw for a moment from that which distracts us. Because there's only so much that we can pay attention to. There's only so many things that we can deal with, especially when the world is weighing us down to a point where we just don't have the capacity to seek God's presence. Sometimes we need to unplug from the world, turn off the news, turn off the cell phone, take a day off from work, whatever it is. Just take that time to reconnect with God's presence. Jesus says in John 16, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that is good news. That is good to hear. But if you're so plugged into the world that all you see is that first part, in this world you will have trouble, and you don't have enough of a connection with God that you know that you can take heart because he has overcome the world, where is that going to lead you? So that's why sometimes we need to disconnect. We need to withdraw from a moment from the things that distract us. And this isn't to insinuate or suggest that all we need to do is get away. This isn't to say, you know, just leave your job, go off, get a nice vacation beach in Tahiti, you know, something like that. That's not my point. The point is not that we all need long vacations. And sometimes that's just not a realistic option. Sometimes we do have to just grind out where we are in the world today. Sometimes we do have to 
just grit our teeth and get to work. That's where discipline comes in. That's where our relationship, as it is with God right now, comes in. That will help us in those moments where we do have to get over the hump. And it's not about ditching responsibilities either. It's not about saying, I'm not going to pay attention to this anymore. It's not full retreat. It's a strategic withdrawal, and it's a regrouping so that you get back in that relationship with God. You get back that connection with God where he can speak to you and restore you and build you up so that when you do go back, because it's only for a moment, it's not a permanent vacation from our troubles, but when you do get back into the thick of things, you have God's presence with you, you have his wisdom with you, you have his support with you so that you can go into it. And again, it doesn't have to be a long vacation. It doesn't have to be something dramatic. Maybe you just need five or 10 minutes during the day to take a walk and just clear your thoughts away from everything. Maybe you have a place where you like to pray or journal. Maybe you have a prayer closet or something like that. For me during this past summer, all I did was get up about 10 minutes earlier so that after I got my coffee, I would park over by Clove Lakes Park and just sit in my car and pray while sipping my coffee. And those 10 minutes, 10 simple minutes, made so much difference in preparing for the day, knowing that I've sought God's presence. He's there. He's with me. I can do this. Let's do this, right? It does make a difference when you make that intentional push to push away all the things that are around you and just intentionally seek God's presence. So I'll ask all of you guys today, do you need to unplug from the world? Do you need to make that space where you can seek God's presence all over again? It's my prayer that God would show you where even the simple places, even those five-minute, ten-minute walks, even maybe just unplugging for just a few minutes can make all the difference in the world when you spend that time in his presence. Just like a kid crawling into their parents' bed because they're scared of the thunderstorm, because they know right there they are safe, they are secure in their parents' presence, just like we are safe and secure in God's presence. But again, like I keep saying, there's more to a strategic withdrawal than just getting away. I mean, how many of us have gone on a vacation or know people that have gone on a vacation and they come back and they're just as miserable as when they left, if not more miserable because now they're in debt for five, six, seven thousand dollars for a trip down to Disney where the, the turkey legs just weren't satisfying or something like that. I don't know. I think I've heard that a couple of times before. It's not just simply getting away because that doesn't solve problems. It's getting away to get that space to reconnect with God and get that new perspective on things. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that just because you go to a tropical vacation place that you're going to sit on the beach and all of a sudden you're going to have a great revelation of who God is. You still have to be intentional in that. Sometimes you have to fight for that connection with God. And that's exactly what Elijah does here too. Uh, if we can go down to our next part of scripture. See, the Lord tells Elijah that he's going to be passing by, and Elijah has to seek that exact moment when the Lord is passing by. He has to listen for God and discern that. And let's look at verse 11. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountain apart, 
and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? You see, the Lord didn't come in that bombastic sound. He came in a gentle whisper. It's a significant change from everything that Elijah had been dealing with. All of the stresses and troubles in the world that were amplified and thunderous and roaring, God's voice came in a significantly, noticeably different way. It came in that quiet whisper that he really had to pay attention to. Have you, have you guys ever had a conversation with a person that whispers? You know, the person that just, they're very soft-spoken. You really have to pay attention to what they're saying. I don't even know if that's showing up on YouTube, but um, you have to pay attention. I mean, me, I always have trouble hearing people that are soft-spoken. I think I've listened to too much heavy metal over the years. But with people that whisper, people that are soft-spoken, you have to pay attention. You have to be intentional about hearing them. And honestly, I found that some of the people that are the softest spoken actually have a lot to say. They really do have a lot to say, and a lot of it is very worthwhile. So it's worth your time and effort to actually pay attention, to be intentional and really listen. That's what's going on here. The Lord is making sure that Elijah is listening, that he is intent on hearing what the Lord had to say. And it's once the Lord knows Elijah is, wish, uh, is listening, once Elijah recognizes that gentle whisper of the Lord, that's when they're ready to make that full connection. That's where God's presence has been sought and where it's been found and where restoration can start. That's where God is ready to reveal his plans to Elijah. I didn't have enough room on the screen to fit the rest of the verses um, from this chapter. But when the Lord is speaking to Elijah, after Elijah just kind of unloads about what his problems are, what he's worried about, all the things that are weighing him down, the Lord speaks to him and reassures him and tells him, I have a plan. You're going to go back into this. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. And don't worry thinking that you have completely and utterly failed because you have not. He reassures him that he is still on the right path, that he is still serving the Lord, not only faithfully, but effectively. He's reassuring him. He's building him back up. He gives him his perspective, and that's the beauty of our connection with God. When we bring him our troubles, he gives us his perspective. He gives us his wisdom. He gives us the confidence to move on, even through the fears, even through the traumas, even through the worries, and he brings us what he knows will sustain us. Because sometimes we think we know what, we, what will sustain us, but God knows what will truly carry us through. So this is my second point up here, how we can seek God's presence in a troubling world. We must intentionally seek out the quiet voice that sustains us. See, Elijah didn't just happen upon God's voice. 
He didn't just bumble about and all of a sudden God spoke to him. Even though he got away from all of the things that were troubling him, all of the things that were weighing him down in order to make the space for God's presence, he still had to make it an intentional act. Elijah had to make it an intentional act to listen for God's whisper. And it takes that intentional act on our part as well, in the middle of a troubling world, to really seek God's presence and listen for his voice. And sometimes that's going to mean being patient. Sometimes it's going to mean you're going to take that 10-minute walk and you're not going to have 10 minutes of full conversation with God or full whatever with God. You may just get a few seconds of it, but maybe that's all you need at that moment. It's in making that intentional time set apart for God for that purpose of connecting with him and seeking his presence that he can speak to us and we just have to pay attention to it. Now, of course, there's going to be times when God's voice is not so quiet. There are going to be times where he does the incredible things. There are going to be times where you say, God, if you're really out there, part those clouds and let me see the sun. And the sun is going to come out. There are going to be times where you're sitting in the car waiting for that phone call from your school or your job. And you're going to say, God, what the heck is going on? And all of a sudden, the phone is going to ring. There are going to be times when God speaks to you and says, hey, you got a problem. We got to talk about this. I would recommend talking with God before it gets to the point where he's yelling at you that you've got a problem, but I digress. Especially in a world that's vying for our attention, we have to be intentional about seeking God's presence and really listening for that quiet voice. And when it comes, that's going to be the voice that sustains us. And again, I want to stress here that it's not always going to be an easy solution. We look here, and the Lord said to Elijah, you're going to go back. You're not getting away on this. You're not leaving the situation completely. I am preparing you. I am giving you hope. I am giving you a path, but I am sending you back to the fight that I have planned for you. And God may be doing the same thing for us. But again, strategic withdrawal, regroup. Reconnect with God. He sustains us. He fills us. He readies us for the next step. And then we are able to go back into the world. That may be troubling, but we go right back to what Jesus says, because now we get it. In this world, we will have trouble, but we can take heart because we know that he has overcome the world. So, as we finish today, twofold question for you guys. First, how good are you guys at listening? Are you impatient to hear God's voice? Do you get frustrated if you haven't heard it in a couple of minutes and you're just like, whatever, I'll try it again later? Or are you willing to sit there and listen and wait through the noise, through the earthquakes, through the fires, and wait for that quiet whisper that will restore you? And once you hear God's voice, will you listen and be open to how he will restore you? Even if it's in ways that may not seem like a great idea, can you give him that room to say, I have overcome the world. This is how I will sustain you. This is how you will endure. This is how we will get this done. It's my prayer that as we spend some time with God and 
again, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy the first time you, you do this. But as you build that equity with God, or as God builds that equity with you, rather, where you start to know his character, where you start to feel his presence, and where you start to see how he comes through in those moments, that you'll be able to know and understand and trust that even in the difficult ways that God will sustain us, he will, in fact, sustain us. So if you guys would stand with me today, and let's pray for that transcending presence of God in our life. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that your presence is real, that you are a living presence in all of our lives. I thank you, God, that you give us the challenge to seek you out, to really hunt down your presence, Lord. I pray, God, that as we go forth from here today, you would give us the times, the places, we would see the opportunities to momentarily withdraw from the world that is so troubling and instead seek your presence, the presence that fills us, that sustains us, that guides us, that raises us up so that we can endure all things in your name. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Stu. So as you know, I just got back from Istanbul, Turkey, and Qatar. A lot of people were concerned because of all that was going on in the Middle East, and a lot of people asked my wife, is your husband okay? And I replied, in a jacuzzi, I'm fine. This is a hard life, but someone got to live it. But I was actually practicing uh, for my speech the next day to leaders that represent 600 million Christians around the world, ecumenical evangelicals. And I remember us praying while being in the, in the place of tension, in the place of the world, and thinking, A lot of us, when we read the news, think the worst possible scenarios. And I think that's right, that that was very good, strategic withdrawal. That's, that's good, that's really good. Um, sometimes we have to strategically withdraw from making assumptions about what's really happening and critically think through what's happening. Because at the meeting, there were Christian leaders from Palestine that are not part of a terrorist group like Hamas and uh, ISIS. And there is this polarization in our wor world right now. Even at Harvard, one of the board of directors quit because the Harvard president, university president, was protecting free speech for people to express those views. It means that the university didn't have those views. But one of the things that I would like to kind of share with you today is more than ever before, there are instability in governments, including our own, as you know. And in the Middle East, that's always been the case.
This is why it's so significant, this passage, to know who God is and how he speaks. A lot of times throughout history, a lot of people think that natural disasters, God is sending a message. That's why you saw Elijah, the earthquake, the fire, and the text said that he wasn't in those things. Now, God could be in those things, and he could be sending a message, but here's the key. It's the whisper, right? The whisper is personal to Elijah. If we deliberately listen, God will speak to our heart. We have to be more than ever before led by the voice of God. We can't be polarized and pulled by media and reactive thinking because more than ever before, all of you gathered in this room, God needs you to be the light, to be the witness and representation of his presence to this world because we can't any longer stay in the sidelines. If you don't want to be a leader, too bad. You have to be a reluctant one. Tell someone next to you, you, you are one. Whisper to them like God's whispering to them. You are one. If you live in New York, you're going to be a reluctant leader. Too bad. Sorry. We're going to send you to Turkey if you're not, you don't believe it. You're, you right now need to represent and be the light, salt and light of the world because I have not seen what is happening around the world, Ukraine, Israel, Gaza, Palestine, and um, this type of instability. If, I mean, if you want to buy crypto, do it now. That's what a lot of people are going to be doing. But this is a call. for us to listen to God and be the light. So I want to pray for us. Will you lift your hands together? Can we pray for peace in the Middle East, first of all? Let's pray for Israel that God would give Jacob wisdom that God would give Israel mercy that God would give Israel compassion and justice I'm sure the nation is livid by the evil that has been perpetuated as we've seen in the news. Killing children, civilians. I'm sure there's rage. 
pray for God's wisdom, God's divine providence. Second, I want to pray for those Palestinians that are not extremists, that are not part of a terrorist organization, Christians and atheists that don't believe, that are not anti-Semitic whatsoever, that need God, that need the gospel, that are being harmed as a result of this conflict. They're the collateral damage in the Middle East. Pray that God's provision and protection would uphold and limit casualties. That the Lord would have mercy. And here in developing countries, and especially here in the States, as the tensions between Israel and Palestinians grow on college campuses, in the workplace. I pray that we would become the mediators of peace. We would pray for wisdom, not join any particular sides, I'd say, but we would represent the love of Christ, that this opportunity, please don't shut it out or tune out Yes, strategically withdraw to hear God's voice, but God is calling you into the fight to be the light. Let's make this our prayer as we close today. Hide me now.
So Holy Spirit, we pray that your presence would be palpable in the Middle East. We pray your divine protection limit casualties, unnecessary collateral damage. And at the same time, God, we pray that the polarization and the black and white thinking that dominates our planet, bringing it to the brink and a precipice of war embroiled in conflict. God, rise up the peacemakers for they are the children of God. Father, we pray that you would equip us with the cross of Jesus Christ, the bloodshed sacrifice to love our enemies. While the world might fight with bombs, we pray, God, that you would equip us to fight with peace. We would pray for your presence to heal brokenness and your message of love. weapon so that we can be the light. Father, I pray for the Christians in the Middle East, Father. I pray that you would equip them and anoint them in the greatest struggles of their life. We pray that your presence would be strong and they would be able to represent your love in the midst of turbulence in this precarious moment in in their nations. We pray, Holy Spirit, you in your power and presence do your will. Will you bow your heads today for the benediction? Be still. And know I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go be the peace of the Lord. Amen.